Bay Hills Community Church is pleased to have you join us as we conclude our 4G series. During these sessions, we've looked at going, growing, and giving. Today, Lead Pastor David Fossil guides us as we look at ways we can use our gifts, our unique abilities, to serve other people. Join us as Pastor Dave begins by helping us look at some excuses we use for not doing things. Good morning, Bay Hills. Grab the study guide that's in your program. If you have a Bible, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 or page 813. If you grabbed a Bible on the back table, page 813. As you're turning there, I wanted to tell you about a story I saw in the news a while back. It was about two students that were graduating from Chicago Kent College of Law. And uh, they were giving an award to the highest ranking student. His name was Overton, and uh, when he was at the graduation, and they were awarding him the valedictorian and uh, 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 such, he made a point to very quickly um, acknowledge that his, his uh, valid, being a valedictorian, um, his best friend deserved a lot of that credit. And he went on to explain the story that kind of went through the country in terms of talking about who, what Overton was and what his best friend was. Overton, what made his being valedictorian so unique is that he was blind, and, um, you know, that has enough challenges of its own, not to mention being in, in higher education. But he was blind, but his best friend, a guy by the name of Kasparik, um, what didn't have arms. And, and they developed this, because of their disabilities, this very unique relationship and friendship that was dependent on one another. So this is how it worked. Overton blind, but he had arms, so he was the one that carried all the books, both his and his best friend, because he didn't have any arms. So he would carry all the books. Um, Kasparik, he didn't have any arms, but he could see, so he was the one that guided him and his best friend Overton to all the classes. They gave him a special study room just for the two of them, so Overton would carry the books to the, to the study room, and he would turn the pages, um, but his best friend Kasparik... He would read out loud so that they could both understand. And it was just this incredible story of how they leaned on one another, how they depended on one another. Eventually, one of them became valedictorian, and they both went on to practice law together. I would imagine because they still needed one another to practice law. I read that story, I heard it, and it, I immediately thought of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Because in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul uses much the same analogy and says that we, this thing called church, are much like a body, like a human body. And we all represent different pieces of the body, and we all need one another to really function in a way that is honoring to God and that is as is, is productive as we possibly can be. Now, we are wrapping up this series today called 4G. We're talking about spiritual transformation, and here's where 1 Corinthians 12 becomes so significant. We've talked about four things, three things so far, and today the fourth, that can transform you and change you um, spiritually, which is why we're here. We talked about going, okay, and sharing the good news of the gospel. Um, Joy just mentioned that a few moments ago with the song as we looked at the video. We talked about growing and making sure we sign up for a group and balancing what we know and our attitudes and our actions, and we talked about that. Last week was a big step of faith. We talked about giving and how that impacts us spiritually. Today we're going to talk about gifts. Gifts, that's the last G. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, that's what Paul talks about. And he says, if you understand what gifts are and what we're to do with our spiritual gifts, it will spiritually transform you. It'll change you. It will grow you. 
Our main idea this morning, for those of you taking notes, let's put it up on the screen, is very simply this. God has given each of us unique gifts or unique abilities, okay? And he expects each of us, based upon those gifts and based upon those abilities, to serve other people. Now, right away, let me just say this to you, because sometimes we get going on tangents. I want to make sure the, the word church isn't in that statement. Some of us, after a message like you're going to hear for the next 20, 25 minutes, assume that the only place that God is pleased when I serve is in church. That's just not true. You can and should serve in the community. You can and should serve at, at a school. You can and even should serve at the place of work. But I'm getting paid for that. Does that count? Well, if you're doing it for the right motive and the right purpose, you're doing it as unto the Lord and because you want to share the love of Jesus with other people just through your actions, it counts. It counts. And it, you being a little league coach or you serving on a school board, it counts if you're doing it for the right purpose and the right motive. Now, I'm going to use it and talk to you in the context of, of what we're doing right here at church. But I want to make sure and state that because some of us miss that. The key is that we need to be balanced. Wherever we're at, we try and serve a little bit, okay? And, and some of us maybe are, are a little bit off balance, okay? But God has uniquely created you and expects you to serve wherever you're, you're at. Now, it's amazing that the Apostle Paul, when we are told to serve or to, quote, volunteer right away, some of us don't do that, and we have this, the reason we don't, don't do that is these things called excuses. What's fascinating about excuses, it's as if the Apostle Paul goes after one, after another excuse, after another excuse about why we can't serve, and that's what he does in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you're jotting down notes, here's the first excuse, if you just want to get it down, it's some of us use it that we're too busy. We're too busy. Now, what that basically means is that we just have a lot of things on our plate, right? We don't have time to help out and to serve. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, here's how he starts off. Now, about spiritual gift, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. I want you to think about that statement. The Apostle Paul says there's a whole lot of stuff in this book, a whole lot of information. If there's a couple things I want to make sure you understand, he says, I, I want to make sure you're not ignorant about spiritual gifts. I want to make sure you understand it. And he spends the next three or four chapters just talking about spiritual gifts and spiritual abilities. That's all he does. See, some of us don't realize that when we got saved, God gave us four gifts. He gave us the gift of forgiveness of our sin. He gave us the gift of eternal life. He gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he gave us this thing called spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts that he entrusts to us and expects us to serve other people with it. And so then he starts to explain what's going on, and I'm going to pick it up in verse 4, and here's what he says. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. Different kinds of service, but the same Lord. Different kinds of working, but the same God. And he gets kind of in a rhythm. You can even hear it in the English language. In the Greek, it's even more pronounced. He kind of gets into a rap or into a rhythm. He might as well have added, as he's going through this, there are all kinds of different excuses, but always the same outcome. And the outcome is, that's not a valid excuse. It just isn't. John chapter 13, we would think that when Jesus, if anyone had an excuse not to serve, it was Jesus. And, but yet, in John chapter 13, he picks up a towel, he picks up a basin, and he washes the feet of his disciples. You remember that story? Question, what was the, th what was the next major ministry event he was getting ready for in John chapter 13? It was this thing called the crucifixion. Kind of a big deal, don't you think? Kind of the main deal for Jesus. It's the whole reason he came. 
That's what he was getting ready for. If you think anyone would have said, yeah, I, you know, I got some other things on my mind. I'm, I'm really tied up, you know, doing all this preparation for what... To, if there's anybody that could say that, it was Jesus. And yet he understood that having too much on my plate is not a good reason for not serving. And he picked up a towel and served and helped out. So what you see time and time and time and time again, every time the topic of gifts comes up in the Bible, there's never a little asterisk at the bottom that says, unless you're too busy and then you're exempt. No, he expects all of us to do it. And so it just means we have to rearrange our schedule a little bit. Or in some cases, we can keep doing the exact same thing we're doing, but we have to change the purpose and the motive with which we do it. I can coach my son's soccer team, but if the only reason I'm doing it is for my own personal enjoyment and I love the game of soccer, then it doesn't count as serving. If I change my motive and if I change my purpose, I can do the exact same thing with a couple small tweaks and now it counts. Does that make sense? But every single one of us is expected to serve, regardless of how busy or not we are. He goes on, second excuse, I'm not qualified. In other words, I, I, you know, I don't have many talents. I don't have many abilities. I'm just not qualified. He addresses that excuse in verse 7. He says, now each to each single one of you, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for common good. What does he mean there? That means that every single one of us has at least one spiritual gift. Every single one of us, he's given at least one spiritual gift. And then he goes on in verse 8 and gives some examples of spiritual gifts. Verse 9, some more examples. Verse 10, some more examples of spiritual gifts. And then he concludes in verse 11 with the exact same point. All these are, work, are, are the work of the one and the same Spirit, as he gives them to each and every one of us, just as he determines. Martin Luther King Jr. was the leader, or one of the leaders uh, uh, in this country with civil rights. Martin Luther, not King Jr., but just Martin Luther was the leader of the Reformation. It's amazing how many people have forgotten a little bit of church history. Let's put up the next slide. Martin Luther, there's a picture of him when he was young. I actually used the story of Martin Luther last week, two, two Martin Luther weeks in a row. He rocked the church, completely rocked the church, basically led it through this, what we call Reformation. It might as well have been called a, a revolution because that's what it came down to, over three principles, three ideas that every single one of us as part of this church believe in because of, of, of partially what Luther started and what we see in the Scriptures. Three things. One is faith alone. That was the first fundamental principle of the Reformation. In other words, we are saved by faith alone, just by faith in Jesus Christ, not anything else I do on top of that. Second of all, Scripture alone. Our authority for living, our trying to figure out what is right and true, is based upon this book and this book only. Not this book and the Pope, not this book and Dave, not this book and Billy Graham. No, this book only. That's why we put a, a, a whole bunch of Bibles out in the back. Because is it wrong to not have a Bible open when Dave's teaching? No, it's not wrong, but I th it's always better to have one open because this is our authority, not Dave. Now, we talk about those first two quite a bit. It's amazing how much we don't talk about the third one, which was equally as important. He believed and taught the priesthood of all believers. In the 1600s and, and, and before that, the idea was that the only people that could really serve, the only people that could really make a difference were the pastors or the priests or the bishops or the clergy. That's the professional church people. I would be a clergy. Everyone else was called the Laity, clergy, laity. 
And at that point in time, only the clergy could serve God. The laity just come, listen, and, and leave, basically. And Martin Luther says, no, that's not what we read in the New Testament. In the New Testament, we read that under the high priest, we all can serve. In fact, by the way, do you know what the word laity means in the Latin? It means stupid and incompetent. Welcome to Bay Hills. I do encourage you this morning. Come back next week. <laughs> and Luther says, I don't think so. I don't think so. No, you read passages that say, no, you're not stupid and incompetent. You're quite the opposite. You are on the level. You're a priest. You're a pastor. You're a minister. The word in the New Testament for servant, the literal word is minister. It's minister. Whether you're standing up here and talking or whether you're doing setup or handing out programs on the way in, you are a, quote, minister or pastor. We don't think of ourselves that way, though. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, hello, my name is Pastor, and then state your name. Go ahead and do that right now. Every side of you, please do that. Just get it out. I want to hear, come on, get it out. How does that feel? Yeah. It doesn't mean you have to come for all three services next week. I'll take care of that. But, and I can't get you a tax deduction or anything. But that's what you are. See, we have to change the way we think of ourselves. None of us is stupid and incompetent. None of us. Why? Not only because Jesus said so, but because he gives us a spiritual gift. And based upon the high priest Jesus, we are all now ministers. We are all now priests in his kingdom. Every single one of us. And that's just not a technicality. No, he means that literally. He means it literally. Another excuse that Paul addresses is people who say, well, I'm just upset and frustrated. I got upset and frustrated. I'm not helping out anymore. I'm not serving anymore. It's fascinating the tension that Paul talks about. I want you, listen, I'm going to read verses uh, 14 and following. Listen to the tension. Listen to the aggravation. Those tension and aggravation never happens in church, right? Well, think again. Now, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. That seems pretty simple. Verse 15. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. It would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. You know what he's talking about here? He's talking about someone who wants to do something, but that's not their gift. That's not their ability. That's not their talent. But I want to do that, but that's not your gift. But that's not your talent. Well, I want to sing on the worship team, but you can't carry a tune. But I want to sing on the worship team, but you can't sing. Okay, I got that off my chest. My bad. <laughs> Verse 16, and if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not cease for that reason to be ceased to be part of the body. Verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? And he's just addressing people that are frustrated. Oh, I want to serve over here. I want to serve. I didn't get to do that. I, whatever. You know, or, you know what? I was serving once, and I served with these people. Drove me crazy. Have you ever been on a ministry team, and they drive you crazy? For whatever reason, maybe it's their personality, maybe they flake out, maybe they, whatever. Or you serve on a team and no one ever says thank you. Well, I'm not, I'm upset at that. Have you ever got upset at the pastors or the church? I signed up, no one called me. Forget that. Or how about this one? I hear this one a lot. I used to serve at my old church, they burned me out. Not again, I'm not doing that again. Really? We've just allowed someone else to rob us of the joy and the gifting that God's given us. You know what? Let's just say it. 
you are at some point in time going to get upset at, at uh, the pastors here. You're going to get upset at people not being appreciative to you here. You're going to get upset because people around you flake. Serve anyway. Serve anyway. In that story in John chapter 13, one of the most interesting things I see in that story is that Jesus washed the disciples, all of the disciples' feet, including Judas, who less than two hours later would betray him. And we're told in that story that Jesus already knew what Judas was going to do. If he even did that, so should we. We should serve. Even if we're upset, you know, don't allow you to get so upset. Serve as unto, the, as unto God. Don't serve other people. That's not the, the purpose is serving unto God, and then you're going to minister to others. Do it as unto God. Don't allow your frustration to keep you from serving. A- another one is I'm not needed. This is a big one. This is a big one. Well, see, church seems to go on fine without me, Dave. I mean, I didn't do anything this week, and look at you guys seem to handle it just fine, Right? Except, he adds in verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. No, we need everybody. On your way in, I want you to grab, did everyone get a piece of, a puzzle piece? Go ahead and grab that, your puzzle piece right now. Put it in your pocket, hard to get it out. I, I told some of you my puzzle story before, but it fits in real good here. Let me tell you it again, just for some of you who haven't heard it. My family, we used to vacation when we were younger with a, another family, and uh, they were a puzzle family. Uh, anyone puzzle families here? They, you know, they go away on a, ca- a trip and a vacation, and you know, they get the 5,000-piece puzzle, <laughs> right? And I'm not much of a puzzle guy. And I remember they would just, come on, Dave, join the family. You'll, it'll, it'll be really be fun. It'll be so much fun. And I was like, I don't know, you know, and I would come up with excuse after excuse, you know, and so they'd put all the puzzles, and then close to the end of the week, you know, how at the end, they've been working on this puzzle forever, you know, hey, can we go out to dinner? No, we're working on the puzzle. You guys want to watch the movie? No, the puzzle, it's so exciting, it's so much fun, you know, and they were getting down to the end where there's like 100, 150 pieces left. They were so excited, oh, we're getting to the end, and then they would throw this one out. I wonder who it's going to be. I wonder which one of us is going to put the last piece in the puzzle. And they would be so excited. And then right at that point, I remember saying, can I, can I help out? No, no. You're not allowed to now because I hadn't done all the hard work, right? So they started putting it all together. And they got to the end, and they realized that one little blue sky piece was missing. <laughs> And they're like, what the heck? And they looked under the couch, and what's going on? And they're, they're frantic. What is happening? Well, that they didn't realize is that earlier in the week, when there was 4,000 pieces on the table, I had gone, and I had taken one little blue piece and put it in my jean pocket. And I just waited. And waited. And waited for that moment. And as they were all frantically looking for the piece, I pulled it out, and I walked over to the table, and I put that last little blue piece in, and I said, you know what? Doing puzzles is a lot of fun. <laughs> now, some of you are wondering how much therapy my parents were in or how I ended up being a pastor, which are two good questions, but that's not the point of the story. I do have a point. You know how when you do puzzles, what's the very first thing you do when you put all the pieces out? You get all the edge pieces, right? Because that's the easiest ones to clearly identify. There are some people at Bay Hills that act like the border edge pieces. They're the ones that we recognize, right? Maybe the people on the band, the, the staff, some of the ministry leaders, the elders, they're the edge pieces. Some of us 
are not an edge piece. Some of us are like that little blue piece that I grabbed, or the one I have today is just kind of green and orange. And when you have all 5,000, 4,000 pieces out, no one really notices if the blue piece is there or not. And that's how some of you feel. You feel like you're not needed. You know when you are most noticed is when we get down to putting it all together and we realize that little blue piece is missing or that little green piece is missing. Don't for one minute think you're not needed. Understand, I understand. Well, I'm not noticed. That's a different issue. But it's not always about being noticed. It's about fulfilling who God has made you to be uniquely and creatively. You know what I want you to do with this little puzzle piece? Here's what I want you to do. On your way out, over in the donut and coffee area, we have a big table that we're making a puzzle. And before you leave, I want you to figure out where you fit. No, I'm just kidding you. <laughs> some, of you some of you like, some of you like, I want to go and see the Super Bowl. No, I don't. <laughs> no, I don't want you to do that. I just want you to. <laughs> okay, let's get back to this, guys. We don't have time. What I want you to do is I want you to take this piece, I want you to slip it in your wallet, I want you to put it in your Bible, I want you to put it in the ashtray of your car where you keep your coins, I want you to put it in your purse, and every time you see it, I want you to remember, no matter how I feel, I am needed. Because that's the truth. No matter how I feel, I am needed. Let's keep going down some of the excuses. Some of us use the excuse, I've got issues. Oh, pastor, if you only knew what I've done. Oh, pastor, if you've only known where I've come from right? I've got a record. I did this. I did. I mean, we come up with, I mean, and we did have some things in the past where we weren't good, but he addresses this verse 22. He says, on the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. The parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. Some of us are thinking I'm spiritually, I'm weak. My background is not very honorable. And Paul would say, it doesn't matter. You're still a piece of the puzzle. I came across this little paragraph a while back called Losers God Used. I thought it was a very interesting title. I read through it. Here's the paragraph. It says, uh, Losers God Used. Abraham was on Medicare. Moses had a stuttering problem. Joseph was an ex-con. And Rahab had a history of sexual misbehavior. David was a homicidal adulterer. Elijah was bipolar and suicidal. John the Baptist ate bugs. Noah was a drunk. And Martha was obsessed with housekeeping and food. Now, that would be Martha in the Bible, not Mar Martha Stewart, in case you guys are wondering. <laughs> Jonah was directly, directionally challenged. Samson was relationally challenged. Zacchaeus was vertically challenged. Samson was a womanizer. Isaiah preached naked. Peter was a poster boy for spiritual attention deficit disorder. And then here's how it ends the paragraph. These are all losers, in quotation marks, that God used through whom he changed the world. So here's the question. What's your excuse? Don't for one minute think that your past disqualifies you from serving. In fact, Paul would say in another passage, it's in our weakness that we are made stronger if we just make ourselves available. We all have issues. We really do. Every single one of us. And yet God can still use us. The last excuse, I don't know where to serve. I don't know where to serve. What do I do? Well, look at verse 27. He says, now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. In the church, God has appointed, first of all, apostles and then prophets and people who do miracles and gifts of healing. And he goes on and on and on, and he lists all kinds of different gifts, okay? Open your study guide. On the inside, I've given you a chart with different categories of gifts. 
Now, one of the things, remember how he started, one of the first things we need to do is understand what gifts do I have? If you don't know which one you have, email us, we'll send you assessment. But some of us can just look at this and go, oh, no, I don't have that. I, oh, I think I might have that one. You just point at it. You know which ones you have. Now, these gifts all act differently in the same situation. Let's pretend you're signed up for a, a community group. Uh, one of the people in your group has a, uh, it's their birthday, and so you decide, surprise them, you're going to have a birthday cake for them, and you come out, you know, halfway through the, the, the small group, community group meeting, happy birthday to you, and as they're coming out, boom, they drop the pie, they drop the cake, right onto the living room floor. Now, these people with different gifts will all respond differently. The person with the gift of mercy will go, that's no big deal, that happens to everybody. Because the person with the gift of mercy wants the, the people who have messed up to not feel so bad. The person with the gift of administration is like to organize things. So they're going to say, oh, you know, Peter and John, why don't you guys move the coffee table? Sally, why don't you go over there and get the, uh, they get the bucket and, and there's a mop and we'll all clean this up because they just want to organize things. The person with the gift of helps, they didn't get called, but they just like to help. They go, I'll, I'll go in there and I'll get some paper towels and I'll clean it up. The person with the gift of teaching, they're going to say, well, you know, the reason it fell is because the way you were holding it, it wasn't fine. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to put it in a four-point outline. I'm going to give you a study guide to fill out and some PowerPoints because we like to explain things, right? The person with the gift of encouragement goes, you know, I'm actually glad you dropped it because I'm on a diet and those calories, you know. They all respond to the exact same situation differently. Are they all needed? Absolutely. But they all are a little bit different. One of the first things, where do I serve? Just figure out who you are. Just figure out who you are and then find your piece of the puzzle. Find where you fit. Now, sometimes we use the excuse as well, I, you know, I, I, there's nothing for me at this point in time. Don't use your gift as an excuse for not serving. Look at the second page on the inside. Opportunity, ministry opportunity. Sometimes you don't serve based upon your gift. Sometimes you serve based upon the need, wherever I'm needed. It must have happened about a year or two ago. It was right after a sermon. I slipped out the back door. I walked down the hallway. I was walking down that way towards the donut and, and coffee area, and someone came up to me and said, Pastor, Pastor, we need you. We have an emergency. Super pastor's here. What do you need? And then they whispered in my ear and they said, the women's bathroom doesn't have any toilet paper. <laughs> now, I could have done, well, I have the gift of leadership. I'll put a team together. I'll come up with a vision statement on why toilet paper is so important. I'll supervise, organize, and train people on how to do this. That's not what the church needed. What do they need? They need toilet paper right? Sometimes you don't serve based upon where you're gifted. You just served. You serve instead wherever there's a need for toilet paper, wherever we need you. So just figure it out. There's all kinds. Now, I'm not going to spoon feed you. I'm not. At the bottom, there's an there's a email. If you want to get involved, email. Pick one and email us. Or go up to a ministry leader and says, you know what? I think I could maybe help with whatever. I've told you over and over again that one of the easiest places to help every single Saturday for two hours, a group of about sometimes as little as four or five to as many as ten comes and sets up for tomorrow. That's what they do. We could use you every single week, every single Saturday at 4.30. You get on a team, you do it once a month. But figure out a place to serve. 
I want to give you a verse, and then I'm going to kind of wrap up here. Let's put that verse up there. Philippians chapter 2, verse 4 from the message. Paul says, put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with, with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. That's quite a verse. Forget yourself long enough to lend a helping hand. Now, for some of us type A personalities that are going to go crazy if we don't get the blanks filled out, let me give you the blanks for the last page. Let's put them up there real quick. Why should I serve? I'll let you read the passages later. Why should I serve? Because it makes the church stronger and healthier. It makes us complete. It really does. Why should I serve? Because it leads to personal spiritual growth. That's what this series is about. I'm just telling you, it, it will challenge you. God will stretch you. There'll be some level of fulfillment and satisfaction, and then there'll be some level of frustration like with anything. But God challenges you. And ultimately, because it pleases God when I obey him. It pleases God when I obey him. You see, very simply, what I want you to do, what God wants you to do is realize that if you take your piece home and never put it in the puzzle, there's something missing. You're missing. That's your challenge. Your challenge is to figure out who God has made you to be and where you fit. I don't care how young or old you are. I don't care if you've been in this church 10 years or this is your second Sunday here. You fit somewhere. Find it. Let's close in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we, uh, we thank you for being the kind of God that has made each and every one of us unique. Thank you for not making us like an assembly line or like refrigerators that are all alike and all the same. Father, thank you for our, our past and our experiences. Thank you for our personality types. Thank you for our gifting. Thank you for our abilities. Everything that you've created in us so that wherever we're at, we can serve. Father, I pray that everything we do, we would do unto you as, as your word says. Everything we do. Father, I pray that you would teach us to be more balanced. Some of us aren't serving at all in the community. Some of us aren't serving in our homes. We just plop down on the couch and don't do anything. Some of us aren't serving in our home church. Father, just help us be balanced. We, we are very busy. And there are a lot of things on our plate, but just help us be balanced. Help us take the gifts that you've given us. Help us take our unique puzzle piece and put it in place and realize that every single one of us, given a gift by you, is expected to use it and to serve other people. We love you and we thank you for the opportunity to do that. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. It's our hope that today's podcast has enriched your life and answered questions you may have had. If you'd like more information about what was said in this podcast or about Bay Hills Community Church, you can reach us on the internet at www.bayhills.net. Bay Hills, located in El Sobrante, California, is radically committed to reaching the unchurched in the Bay Area and to developing believers into fully devoted followers of Christ. Thanks again for listening.